rock me slowly, take it easy, don't you know that I've never, never been loved like this before. Yo, with a zoo, back at it again, baby, baby. Rock me gently, Andy Kim, bro, that's some 70s throwback tunes. What are y'all listening to today? Tweet me at Captain Hummus. Yo, let's get into this. I want to follow up with some things that I was talking about on the last podcast. If the mind, quote, quoting Andre 3000, if the mind creates the problems that are not there, like I said, Andre 3000 was talking about on Broken Record Podcast, then if it does normally, meaning also soberly, then it'll probably try to do it even while high, right? And there's a different set of categories associated with intoxication of cannabis and in what form and dosage quantity, but still exists nonetheless because of a functional way, the way the, the brain works, a macro framework that takes fold regardless of the individual micro and cerebral state of soberness versus subject to substances with sources of psychoactivity like weed. So we need more research, simply as that. We need more research and data on intoxication levels varying from the doses and consumption standards in relation to the body type and person. And it's tough. It's tough because we don't have standards of weed content and measurement or exactly its relationship with the human body. But alcohol hits the body direct. We see it. We see the first thing it does is impair judgment and vision. First lesson of my driver's ed class, it takes a toll on your liver. We can see and feel that. But we have a system in our bodies, an endocannabinoid system, and there is a way this plant takes fold in our bodies on the physical and mental in ways we still don't understand, but the very fact it exists without the same damage I just described in source with alcohol means we got something else on our hands. Even alcohol is something we made, but this, who planted this? Found all over the world by use by us in different forms. Yo, whose plants is this? Who planted these? And why Big Gov trying to seize and lower farms got charged 500k in fees? They want the change. They want the game. Won't even ask, please. Saying it is like asking with a big stick. If asking carry the big stick, it ain't really asking. It means you got the answer. Now time you to start blasting. You were just masking, only pretending like you weren't really fast. And you were going too fast with it. Cut the road. I saw you split. Hell with it. Went right through it like racing i'll be my light on a bike all through the night with it like even et was out of sight till you reach the speed of light nothing on you no chips or moonshine what you do for a like riding on a bike and along a beam of light like einstein lebanon rise and shine who blowing up that ammonium nitrite do me one time that's on you do me two times i say nice try can't say i'm just a nice guy even the cute little bitches got a dark side never never mind when she go oh fine you been got a label that say that's mine i fly through time while you count the time Passed by, passed like, oh my How you gonna wait to live and not be ready to die Ready or not, ask for license and registration Ready to get shot All because of what you're not, not white, not right Who gonna save us from this plight Of those unable to protect us from this fight Protect us from our rights That was just a little poem That I wrote basically to cap everything we were talking about From Cannabis and racism and politics And Einstein's theory of relativity You know him on that 16 years old Thinking of a, a riding a bike along a beam of light and yeah the next thing i wanted to talk about let's see i'm trying to think yes okay so my phone's one plus and then i started going off this whole you know because sometimes in order to practice freestyle in order to practice things that rhyme together you know just think of random shit and i was like lgtbq plus nintendo plus one plus now but for real queer people i think they are god heavens on earth and it's because they are people who know who they are and what they want. P 
people like us that fuck heterosexually, often many of us act like the opposite and carry many traits of what is typical and socially defined a man and woman. Then you get a conflict. A man that is like a woman, like his mom or grandma, has issues being with women and men. Around women for mating because they want a quote-unquote man, but around men for friendship because they also want a quote-unquote man. So because you appear a man, but people get woman vibes. Hella women get left out of social circles because they're too dude, but that also fucks up male friendships and partnerships too. I mean, we want to get what we see, but what we see might not necessarily be what we're seeing. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I just think I'm just trying to wrap my head around like certain things. You know, we see news and we see so many things about people changing not just gender okay it's one thing like we used to always see dudes and girls dress and act the opposite of what are stereotypically gender roles and i'm cool with that that makes a lot of fucking sense to me you know what i mean but it take off like you know what i mean like dave Chappelle said to just rip out your penis and chuck it said like don't need it like i don't know how that process works in your brain is it because of the greater acceptance now the technologies because we got surgeries to do it and before people weren't able to do it and now you can't so you're like fuck it i'm gonna do it you know what I mean? I don't know. I never, I've only talked to one, I've only talked to one person that's never changed their sex. You know what I mean? So it was a lady boy in, in Bangkok. I had a conversation with her. She was lovely, but I never asked anything personal because I just met her. I was talking, we we're talking about, she, we're talking about tourism and, and general weather and shit and different areas of, of, of Bangkok. She was giving me tips, but never like to understand the psychology behind it because it's just it's intriguing i'm not gonna lie like I'm, i don't know if that's offensive offensive to say because i know they i know it's a, like a, a, in terms of free speech and you know saying what you really want to say and a lot of people get shit for it for criticizing making jokes about the transgender community but you know i don't have a problem with anybody it's just curious to think about sometimes is it because we didn't talk about it before like have this had this always been around like think of like mental health uh, mental illnesses right people with depression anxiety hypersensitivity uh bipolar whatever the case may be is it because we got labels for it or is it just because there wasn't a label for it back in the day and just because you didn't know what to call it does that mean it didn't exist you know what i mean like is it that um what is it called deterministic no it's a type of philosophy where you're basically like you're saying like you, or a constructivist theory like you're basically simply creating like once you put a label onto something you created it but it could have been already been there been established but without without necessarily the label and framework that we give it today i don't know i definitely don't think like I, i've said this before and I had a discussion a couple of times where you know people use the quran and the bible and the same verses to justify slavery, use it later to condemn it. And it's like, you know, that's something we don't socially accept right now. Slavery, at least not in the way we used to have it. We're still slaves. Just we don't call them slaves. We call them migrant workers or whatever the fuck you want to call them. But we we change we change a lot of things and we accept and society changes. And so we go back to the religion and it sort of adapts and evolves along the society, which is what makes me continuously think that it's a man created thing. And same thing like with hell and heaven. Like I always used to think, I think now like hell and heaven, just being two parties, there's a general party we all get to go to, but then there's a VIP party. And God just had to exaggerate a little bit so we'd get serious. You know, he couldn't tell us like, yo, don't worry. You all are invited to the party because then we'd be like, fuck it. We can do whatever then. No, he had to scare us about this fire and shit like that and burning for eternity, you know, eternal damnation to scare the fuck out of us. So we, you know, act properly. But in reality, he's the most forgiving dude. So he's going to put us all in the party. But 
in the VIP party, you know, if you're good, if you're being a little extra good, shit, you get to go to the VIP party. Don't worry. We'll all go party together. Like, don't first round of pussy juice on me. Like, don't sweat it. But <laughs> heaven, that VIP party, is when you get to, like, play poker and smoke weed with Jesus and Moses. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to do. That's what, that's really what I want to do. That's the only reason why I'm good in this life. That, that's honestly what I'm looking for to do in the afterlife. It's just to, like blow you know to chill with jesus and moses only to blow trees and eat grape leaves like that's it but i mean have i talked about pussy juice before on here i just mentioned i feel like i might have mentioned it but i definitely have talked about it a lot in convos with friends and family i mean obviously lil wayne in the in the bit that dave Chappelle had about it too it's been an intriguing thing like i couldn't get pussy juice out of my mind for the longest time and then any sentence i was saying like normal things on the street like it could lead up to anything and i would just end it with pussy juice and it would work but anyway, that heaven and hell theory, I don't know if I mentioned heaven and hell before. My original idea is what I just said. Uh, I'm sorry, the new idea. The original idea on what it was like is shit I had. It, I'll just say it again for those in the back. It's, it was like a stoop, like a New York stoop, you know what I'm saying? Or a Middle Eastern taxi stand. Everybody chilling, waiting for something else better to do. Waiting for a call, basically. That's hell. And the only time you resurface to observe Earth is when someone thinks of you. It's when someone thinks of you or says your name like your kids or your wife while she fucks the neighbor or your cousin or you never resurface because no one ever thinks of you or there's no one alive on earth that remembers you and there's nothing you left behind for someone new to discover you, right? Either way, it sucks to be or not to be remembered. You never know how or if you even will get remembered. They say when you're forgotten is when you're really dead. I used to make a lot of jokes about heaven and hell, and my dad got upset. You know, for those of you who don't know, my dad is Palestinian and was born and raised there. So certain jokes don't slide out, you know, they don't hit the, that same way because of cultural and religious reasons. Sometimes you just got to know where people are coming from, geographically and ide ideologically. My dad, I guess you could call this from, I guess you could say like Central Valley West Bank, like hills and farms. It's, it's, it's a nice area and olive trees and shit. His last job, before he immigrated to the U.S., I want to say like 92, 93, he was in the springtime, you know, Rabi in Arabic. So he was picking up the strawberries, which is ironic because first thing he came to the U.S., everybody thought it was Mexican to this day, strawberry picking. And summertime passed and then the fall comes and it's time to start olive oil picking so we can make olive oil. You know, that's a seasonal thing. Uh, there's a friend of ours in Tampa, you know, he drives a tow truck and works and lives in in Tampa, but he still goes back every fall to run the olive oil business because it's um it's something that, oh, not only part of the heritage and in religious text and cultural, but it's fucking delicious, man. You can put that shit over anything. Like Canadians in maple syrup, we love to pour our bitches down in olive oil. That's that's just the way it is. Olive oil picking and then the olive oil press. So basically, you know, you see big companies like in Spain, which I think is responsible for like half of the world's olive oil, but they're very industrial. Certain parts of Italy, for example, in the Tuscany, they don't do it like in October, November, December, which is when most people do it. They do it in beginning, max, mid-September. So, yeah, you get less juice out of the olives, but it's more potent. It's stronger. And that's the thing, the difference between green and yellow. So the way olive oil is supposed to come out, you know, my dad was working. 
uh, in the fall with the olive oil, and it was so spicy when it was coming out of the press. It's green. Now, a lot of y'all might have olive oil at home that's like yellow. They dilute it more so it's easy for the taste. But in reality, it's supposed to be, it's got to have some spice to it. It's got to be a bit more green. And my dad would bring his own olive oil from home because he couldn't even eat the ones there. And he worked making olive oil, and they would make fun of him. And it's just the spice in the olive oil he couldn't take. And then he was like, why is mine at home yellow and, and we were making it right here and it's coming out green? And they're telling him, yo, we dilute it. And I was like, dad, what did they dilute it with? And he said, pussy juice. <laughs> and that's why olive oil. I mean, y'all ever seen the labels? It says double virgin unfiltered olive oil. And you know why it's double virgin? Because the only virgins Arabs like are, pussy, are, 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 are the only pussies Arabs like are virgins. I mean, simple as that. And what you end up having is pretty green olive oil. And then mixing it up. It's not with pussy juice. That was just a joke. But it's like, it, it has to be in a commercial way. Certain things get changed, right? Certain foods get more commercialized because they're trying to sell it to a very wide audience. You know, you go to P.F. Chang's. You see, ever see Chinese people in that bitch? No. Like, if you go to an Asian restaurant, you don't see Asian people there. That is for you white people to, for the taste. But when you go to a, an ethnic place and you see people from that country eating them, that's how you know it's a good place. They're eating that food because it's supposed to be authentic. And that's the thing is, like, are we going to accommodate for other people from market or are we going to try to invite people in? You know what I mean? It all depends on how open-minded we're going to be, not just with cuisine, but I think cuisine says a lot about culture. Like, it's a very, it's a door, it's, a, it's an entryway. It's an entryway into people's homes, literally, and into their mindset, into their geography, to their region, to their history, everything. It's why Bourdain was so well knowledgeable about food and cuisine but also so much about the culture i mean he did both in all his shows like it was incorporated in it. i think that's a very clear example of what i'm talking about and um one of the last things i want to leave you all with is this white paper that i had to write for one of my class uh last semester i think on um on health yeah i wrote about it on big farm and the opioid crisis public health and race and it's interesting because Prescription drugs in America, you know, public health um, and exploitation of private citizens for pharmaceutical market. It's, it's a lot of fucked up shit. Opioids and pain management is an area of the public that has seen a high prescription rate. However, the real concern doesn't seem to be pain. If only opioids discussed and regarding this conversation of public health needs, especially with the cases and issues seen in the U.S., in the case of opioids, the FDA is mainly concerned with regulation and preclinical pre trials, not what the actual trial is for, meaning that they don't oversee the market itself, what drug companies are producing and mainly confirm and just pass on drugs to the market. They allow, I think they allow too much freedom to develop drugs. I think they allow too much freedom because to develop drugs that are technically usable for the people. However, a large reason opioids are being part of an opioid crisis is because of a deterrent from cannabis and other possible replacements for pain management and pain medications. Pharmaceutical influence and markets have also shed light into the exposure and susceptibility of people have of becoming addicts, especially now that rehabilitation centers and new drugs offered to get people off of opioid addiction for those affected by the opioid crisis are still made by those that made the opioids in the first place. That's the recipe of America, bro. It doesn't matter what industry, on the macro and the micro. They're going to fuck you in the ass, fuck you so hard, and then help you get back on your feet. You forget they're the ones who fucked you up in the first place. 
So because it lacks standards of measurements, pain needs a case-by-case basis for patients, especially with opioid prescription and medical cannabis. Pain is felt different through different reasons by everyone, and not just physical sources of pain, but mental and emotional ones as well. A refocus on public health is vital for opioid prescription in the United States, but also a systemic solution for public health that treats all members of the public equally. As of 2015, about 300 million opioid prescriptions were written. 300 million. Shit, bro. That's almost the population of the entire country. Like, that's almost everybody. That's almost, that's, shit, that's too much. In 2016, we only have like 326 million people in the country. In 2016, more than 42,000 deaths were due to opioids, whereas there has not ever been a recorded case of death by overdose of cannabis. Another problem with FDA regulation of opioids and overall nationwide use is the fact that it remains a manufactured product. It can be created and kept by a few with security and patents while also sold and recommended to doctors to prescribe. Pharmaceutical companies lobby politicians with heavy interest and spent, quote, $152 million on influenced legislation in 2016 alone. That's from The Guardian. To dictate which drugs get made and how. Now, while the opioid crisis is recent and... It's a, a social and medical history analysis in the U.S. through politics and cannabis offers insight into future implications and current discussion fueling public health issues, health care, health communication, and governmental interest. Cannabis is a plant, a plant that has been found naturally all over the world from Siberia 10,000 years ago, China, the Americas, Africa, and the Middle East. U.S. US physicians before mid-20th century used to prescribe cannabis to Americans, and George Washington was a proud hemp grower. Hemp is the industrial version of cannabis as the plant carries different types as defined by Linnaeus. Cannabis sativa and cannabis indica listed as the first main two. Hemp is simply industrial cannabis which can be used for fiber, clothes, rope, paper, etc. and does not have psychoactive effects when smoked. Nevertheless, cannabis was then replaced with the term marijuana when Mexican immigrants and black folk would be seen smoking it. And efforts to discriminate, quote-unquote, marijuana was deemed dangerous and illegal with governments and Hollywood efforts to demonize the plant and those who consumed it. Cannabis and hemp was then forgotten until World War II when Japan took the Philippines, a hemp producer for the U.S., and the U.S. needed hemp for roping ships again so they encouraged farmers to grow it. Later, during the Reagan years, the, the you know, whole crack epidemic and AIDS was largely ignored for years because it seemed the people affected were not of concern, blacks and homosexuals. So the opioid crisis has been labeled a crisis because of who affects, mainly white folk across, mainly white folk across the country, especially in rural poor areas like Ohio and West Virginia. Cannabis did not even become a concern for governmental research until many authorities began to notice that white youth were being caught smoking cannabis along with blacks and Mexicans. The perception of the user changed, so the perception of the plant changed as if there might not be an issue with this plant simply because of white kids enjoy it too. That's from the book Smoke Signals and Too High to Fail. Many critics of discussion on the discussion of the opioid crisis have labeled it as a crisis because white politicians have identified opioids as issues in many of their communities. Opioids have fueled big pharma but at a detrimental cost to many Americans. If reform for opioids, FDA, and overall public health in the United States is discussed, then who the public is and who the reform is for should be considered for future health and growth of this nation. Politicians cannot ignore issues simply because themselves and their constituents are not represented in them. Public health refers to the health of all Americans, but it is hard to see when even the nation's own president has gone to one extreme or the other for aid, all depending on who was affected, like the case of Hurricane Harvey in Houston versus wildfires in California or Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. 
therefore health or public health will not be regarded the same neither in the case of the illness nor of of condition nor the drugs and effects of the prescriptions without the proper context in how racial history and social history of the u.s within these topics and further ones too such as the tuskegee experiments or uh, you know the pain perception of black americans being higher than white americans the inequalities within the issues of systemic racism and class will continue to be exasperated especially in a country that does not acknowledge nor have a universal healthcare system as a basic human right, there is other research on the matter. Nevertheless, opioids in the case of pain management and the rise in death toll has more issues involved than mere medical issues or overregulation by the government. In the case of personalized medicine, genetic information and genetic discrimination, other problems for public health are at play as well. There have already been leaks of information from consumers of companies such as 23andMe to insurance companies. Having genetic knowledge of Americans, yo, is as well as the ability to produce someone's family's information as well. I mean, because you can, you never could have reported yourself or taken a DNA test, but two members of your family did, and boom, they're able to get a pretty good eye on you too. So, not everyone's info was even needed. Insurance can easily change their policies and adapt their risk to different patients. Legal aid will not help because people are willingly sending their information to various companies for the joy of learning their ancestry. Race, however, has no biological basis. Racial categories are made up, with even now Middle East and North Africa being considered white. More often than not, there is greater genetic diversity within racial groups than between them. Sub Saharan Africa is the most genetically diverse place in the world, and everyone is black personalized medicine could showcase and be insightful in the discussion of race to show how our genes actually work however personalized medicine could create an upper private market that probably already exists for the wealthy and powerful who will create drugs for the personalized genes of a group of people already deemed inferior and shown to be inferior through history by those in power especially when data and more active participation from patients will showcase inequality and entire neighborhoods can be redlined again for access of healthcare. Personalized medicine also brings issues of knowledge sharing and more of a role in filling those knowledge health gaps through the patients, but this assumes the public has been presented and equipped with adequate education on doing so. Anyway, y'all, I'm not going to take your time too much. I just wanted to wrap up a couple things and share this essay, get some thoughts flowing for y'all during this week. My dad gave me, a, you know, half an hour max to do this because you got to take the car this is my office yo this corolla i named her jen back in the day and it's been great man i've had this shit since it was like eighty thousand. i want to say 80 or something thousand miles on it. it's got 180 now oh shit my bad that says a thousand eight hundred and three that's for trip a never mind it's got 155 so that's that's like 70k miles i wonder i wonder i'm not too big of a car person but I wonder if you got a car from zero miles. I don't know if anybody, if anyone of y'all has ever done that. From zero miles, and you got to put all the way to 100K on it. That's got to be a nice feeling. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a memory for every mile. And that's pretty dope. I mean, hold on. Summer 2020, no glasses, LASIK. These girls so basic. Live from the Matrix. Yes, sir. I read the books, guarantee. But rest assured, I know the streets. Coming to you live from Sin City, LV. This is Unfiltered Vitamin Z. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all listening in this triple digit heat, popping off to whatever triple digit beat. And that's what we do, man. Podcast, rhymes, good vibes, whatever the case may be. Every day is, you know, today was a good day. Today was my last day. That's that's literally how it can go. You know, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever, whatever. Seven days a week, bro. A day to wake up is a day to die. That's simple as that. 
And I don't really think we can understand life and appreciate life if we don't know death. I don't, I'm asking that question. Can we understand life without knowing death? Can we think about life and value life and put life so high and take our mornings, you know, for granted sometimes because we just think, yeah, this is a given, right? Yeah, I'm just supposed to wake up the next day. Really? Are you supposed to? Or were you supposed to die that night before? You never know. And being grateful, being grateful for things you didn't even know you you could be even grateful for, right? It's not just, oh, I'm grateful for this phone. I'm grateful for this car. I'm grateful that I'm alive. I'm grateful for air. I'm grateful for the people around me. Like, it's good to write that shit out. That's something I think I mentioned before, but it's something I've been still working on and still trying to do is write those things out, write those things that you're grateful for. And then tell people, you know, if it's specific to something due to someone else, tell them, you know, you're grateful for something. That someone else was responsible for tell that person thank you and if you're thankful for some that person it's themselves then say thank you because sure sure materials can bring us value but you'd be surprised sometimes of the value people bring us not even knowing that they're bringing us value and i mentioned that a little bit yesterday too but it's just some thoughts that i still had sinking in my mind is you know thinking about life and the, the how to appreciate life knowing that you know you can also die and you know people die every day the same way people are born every day and I don't know, just some more food for thought, I guess. Just something I've been thinking about because I know that's in Islam is to think about death throughout the day. Like that's something that you kind of have to do or something that's that's like in the doctrine, you know, the death is incorporated in there that you should think about death like seven times a day. I heard one time somebody say, but I'm not sure if that's 100 percent accurate, but it is something to think about that sometimes it feels like. The most religious people think about death because of the way death and horror and judgment and all that shit comes in through religion. And then sometimes when people stem away from it, when people take a step back and we got more secular people, I feel like, sure, they keep a lot of the same kindness and principles, right? But I feel like too many of us live in, you know, sort of that secular life, not acknowledging or tied to an institution and living life sometimes forget like, oh, shit. This life is actually really precious. And that's another value. It's another principle I think religion gives us that it's important to remember that this life is quite precious. And sure, you don't have to believe in God or believe in, in a book or, or believe in an institution and go to a religious institution every week. But acknowledge that, yo, this is not, you know, inherently American for you to walk like this, talk like this, for you to be able to buy clothes. Like we're getting, America's, I've said this before, you know, too attached to the material shit. Like they're like, this is America. This is why it's not greatest country. And, you know, people think I'm talking about, you know, crackers and, and rednecks and hillbillies. No, this is, this goes to like the most liberal motherfuckers in San Francisco to the most hood bitches in Bronx to the most crackers in West Virginia to the most, bougie bitches you know in florida like it's the same everywhere where where i was mentioned before you know people used to adapt pretty well to pandemics or at least it seems like it because they were so used to it people knew oh yeah shit my cousin died yesterday like normal shit you'd had nine kids six died three survived like that's just the way life was but our quality of life has gone up our expectations has gone so far up and because we're so comfortable thinking that you know, that the material world that we've created around us is going to protect us from everything. And it's not true. You can't put your mindset like that. At the end of the day, 200 years ago or today, we're still talking about the same humans. The same humans susceptible and prone to the same issues, the same root causes physically and mentally. So we can't be so arrogant with ourselves. Anyway, that is, what am I at now? 27 minutes? Damn, bro. With three minutes to spare? Heading it right under 30, like my dad said? boom that's 
that's money in the grave right there anyway i hope y'all enjoy your week and take care like i said man you li you like this you listen to this tell somebody tell somebody you think might benefit from this or might enjoy this or you know follow me on instagram the captain hummus tweet me at captain hummus a shout out who's been listening to from washington virginia i appreciate you washington virginia who else did i saw you somebody the other day um san jose again yo more the other day i saw an episode that says seven downloads from san jose shout out to fucking san jose peace